The I Am Independent podcast with Loretta and Bianca. Stories, advice and discussions to resource, encourage and support independent music artists. Welcome back to a brand new series of the I Am Independent podcast. These are certainly strange times that we live in, but nevertheless, the independent artist grind is real, hustling hard uh, more than ever, I would think. Well, we're hoping that this series will continue to inspire you, resource you and encourage you even in these difficult times, covering all sorts of topics that are relevant to you guys. We always welcome your feedback, so do get in touch on Instagram or through our website you can find our email address uh, info at iamindependent.co.uk to let us know what you'd like us to cover what you'd want to hear more of or just any comments that you want to share with us so thanks once again for joining us enjoy Welcome to the I Am Independent podcast. Today we're uh, talking about a couple of subjects that we get asked about a lot in our boot camp and messages. Um, and we're speaking to somebody who's got knowledge of all of them. Um, he's a fountain of knowledge, um, one of the kindest people I know, and he's personally been a massive support to my career as a manager. His name's Paul Bonham. Uh, he works for the MMF, which is the Music Managers Forum. We'll hear a bit more about what that is. But he also worked for many years at the Arts Council as well. So uh, we really are going to get our money's worth. I say money's worth. We're not paying him at all. Uh, but Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bianca. It's, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, you both do excellent work and I love the fact that you're building community knowledge and yeah, thank you for having me. I thought there was a few people that I could ask at the MMF to chat to, but um, you were the natural choice to speak to, Paul, because I know there's so many things that you've got knowledge on. But as well, I know um, kind of one of your superhero gifts is literally helping people, uh, giving advice. You've done that um, for me personally many times. Um, and the community sense, even as you touched on it there, has always been really important to you, hasn't it? Just tell us a bit about your background and why that's so important to you. Um, yeah, I think it's, it has become a, a, a real core value in, in what I see music industries are. Because um, I, I started out um, at a, a festival called Truck, um, which uh, was run, it was a community run and organized festival when we were about 17, I think I got involved in that. And it really made me, I don't know, sort of recognize that everyone's got a part to play in music, be they the, the, the audience, the, the local Thatcher that helped build our stage, um, uh, the brownies did the, the cakes, um, you know, it was a, a real uh, community approach. And we, you know, uncovered lots of great bands that went on to really brilliant things. Um, and learned lots and lots of skills. Um, and many of us that were involved in that are now really you know, working in the music industry and have done for, I mean, that was 23 years ago. So, you know, have carved out a long-term career. So I think community is a big value to, to recognize and build um, as you go through your professional um, growth. And you were, I know you were a manager, I'll ask you about that, but were you a mis- musician as well? Oh, I was in a really bad bands, uh, which is how I got involved in the festival, actually. But um, yeah, no, I did. Uh, I did a couple of bands, but let's let's uh, forget about those. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I, I learned to play the administration, is how I said it. Um, <laughs> I used to say, you know, I think I was really only in the band because I was the one that would kind of get out there and try and get the gigs um, and, and the audience to attend the gigs. I was quite, you know, a bit more of a promoter and a, um agent, I guess, at the beginning. And then, yeah, I moved into being a promoter. And then a manager from, from that, I met, I met a talent. Um, through being a promoter that I managed, took on the management and I uh, got a record deal and did that for about seven years. An artist called Get Cape by Cape Fly um, that we signed to Atlantic Records and yeah, uh, did did okay. You know, had, had four top 40 singles, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, and a gold disc and all of that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of fun. Um, and then I moved into the Arts Council um, because management did get tough. Um, sustaining careers is really tough. Um, so I went part-time at the Arts Council in a role around diversity and inclusion um, because I'd worked a lot around disabled people and engagement in, in music at an organisation called Attitude Is Everything. Um, I worked part-time there for a while. I think in music you do have to, have to do a lot of, men, you know, lots of different jobs uh, in your early career. Um, and and do different jobs that I, I would encourage people to do different jobs that play to their skills and their interests because um, you can really build a broad picture and tailor um, how you are going to interact with the, the, the industry because um, I don't think there's one set way at all. Um, I think, you know, find out your strengths, um, acknowledge your weaknesses um, and, and have lots of passion and, and fun as you go through it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so in terms of yeah, being, I, to I was going to say, what did, what did you learn um, in working with a company like the Arts Council, having come from being in a band, being a promoter and being a manager? And I think definitely a discussion we've had a lot amongst ourselves, me with my artists, but with um, independent artists, there's been um, not so much now. It is beginning to change, actually. And I know I've had this conversation with you, Paul, before, but funding um, has always seemed like this out of reach thing that nobody really gets or perhaps some of the classical artists might get it but if you're in one of the, you know the more popular genres uh, it has felt a little bit out of reach and does anyone ever really get that what did you learn from and what did you you bring to your to your role and discover at the arts council and how that was accessible or inaccessible to independent artists mm. um, well I think I think it's changed dramatically in the past 10, 15 years. Um, there was no opportunity for any public funding or support um, from charities such as Help Musicians or PRS Foundation um, 15 years ago. Um, they were very much focused on classical. They were probably more focused on classical than the Arts Council was actually. So the Arts Council has supported talent development and youth engagement for many years through organisations like um, Urban Development and raw material and um, bigger fish at the time, um, particularly in London. So I think that there was always an understanding of the community value of popular music, but perhaps not the artistic craft. And I think that's what's changed in the past sort of 10, 15 years is that the value of popular music genres um, in all of their sort of different diversities so and non-classical sector um, is, is a fine art now. And I think one of one of the things I realised, particularly in my work at Arts Council, um, was that actually the mu <coughs> musicians 
and managers and, and, and record labels or whoever around them were not actually very good at articulating um, that, that, that it was an arts form um, and it was a sort of disciplined, you know, it has structure, rehearsals, talent development. Um, it has uh, quality attached to it. Um, uh, you know, quality frameworks, which sounds very sort of arts council language, but it does have, you know, when you're an artist, you, you uh, an unsigned artist, you make a choice about working with a certain producer because they've got a quality track record. You know, you're, you're thinking, oh, I like their sound, um, or I like the, the, the craft that they've done with some other artists. So I would like to work with them because they match my, um, my artistic character, my my expression. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it is um, it's a sort of two sided approach. Is that the funders often don't understand the um, or they need to understand what the what the musician and the artist are trying to achieve. Um, and I think in the music industry um, historically there's a there's a structure where artists get offered opportunity. So the record label offers them something. The promoter makes an offer. Whereas artists historically have been quite shy about the ask. Mm. And I think that's the, 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 what you have to do with funding is you have to work out your ask. So you have to sort of put across your vision, your project, um, and you have, to, you have to ask for the funding. And that's quite a different um, shift, I think, that, that, that uh, has to happen or is happening in the music industry. And I think that, you know, artists and their entrepreneurs around them, the artists themselves or entrepreneurs are getting much better at asking for what they want. And that, that's, that's the big culture shift that I've noticed. Love to come back to that in a bit, but just bring us up to date then with how you went from the Arts Council uh, to the MMF. Yeah, well, um, I guess um, you know I've been at Arts Council for, for a number of years and, and really had a great time, but you know you get itchy feet, um, and I uh, had always been aware of the organisation, the MMF, which is a collective body of music managers um, and. They are a trade body, so they do lots of stuff around the policy and the structure of the music industry. So very much led by the managers that you know represent artists. So it's it it really you know often is representing the artist's view and the songwriter's view um, in quite top line stuff um, and structures about the industry. But uh, the MMF recognised that there's um, a lot of managers that were, were struggling. They were you know struggling with um, uh, access to sustaining their career um, and I think that that's come about because of much more opportunity you know through digital distribution opportunities through um, the internet allowing uh, access to audiences that now more artists can have a sort of early stage career um, and with that uh, more managers can have access to an early stage career so there's less gatekeepers you know there's more um, there's more people working in the sector, but managers um, traditionally work on a, a model of 20% of net profit. And at the early stage, um, net profit is pretty minimal um, for a manager to earn. And so the MMF noticed you know, this gap that managers are often doing loads of work, perhaps working in secondary jobs or, 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 or multiple jobs, um, and not really having the full time and capacity to develop their artists. So they were, they were kind of struggling. Um, or manage projects that were already quite buoyant because the cash flow will come later. So MMF uh, designed this program called Accelerator um, and they came to Arts Council 
um, and were interested if we could be a partner funder. Um, and I was allowed out uh, on a secondment, so on a sort of day release, um, I guess, for my job to go and work with the MMF to develop this program, um, which gives uh, investment to managers and also creates a community. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've realized is um, that managers often work in isolation, particularly at that early, um, earlier stage. Um, and they often work um, in, because they work so closely with the artist, they're often working in a genre or the artist's own bubble. And so sometimes missing out on the broader perspectives and opportunities that are in the industry. And the great thing about think what we've, we've achieved with Accelerator is bringing together a whole range of different managers at a similar point in their careers with artists at a similar point to recognize the whole opportunity of the industry and share those skills amongst each other to then work out what's going to work for them and maximize the potential at that pivotal point in their careers. So um, again, it goes back to that, that theory of community that I was talking about. It, it sort of built a, a, an entourage um, around um, independent uh, managers starting out, which uh, isn't there. And so, you know, I jokingly say that Accelerator is almost the, the largest management company in the UK for, for, for a year. Um, uh, you know, it's got active artists, uh, it's got active managers, uh, roughly about 20 each year. And, 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 you know, a lot of management companies, that even the, the biggest ones with the biggest artists, only really have um, numbers of staff around that. So, uh, you know, we, we sort of set up a temporary company for people to really strengthen and develop um, uh, and then go off and do their own leadership. And I was uh, really pleased the other day when I was looking at the, the, the stats of the three years, 100% of the uh, managers we work with um, or have worked with are still working. Um, and that, that, was, that was incredible, you know, to, to see that, that camaraderie and success and determination of managers is still there. And what would you say, <clears throat> like, um, are the main things that, a manager does um, in their relationship with an artist? What would you say are the most important things in their main jobs? The mo the, the, you know, the, the most important thing for a manager um, in their role, I think, is, is putting the artist's interests and business and well-being first. Mm. I think that's the sort of primary principle. Um, because everything else will come down to a different approach, different style, um, and different need uh, for the artist. Um, and so having that sort of entrepreneurial, but accountable um, delivery um, of what the artist needs under those three competencies um, is varies, varies between project to project. Mm -hmm. You know, some, some you might have to be really skilled in live touring, others you might have to be really, really good at A&R and mm -hmm. um, the craft of, um, making hits, so working with different producers, songwriters, and really understanding that, uh, that creative side, because that's more where an artist might be placed. Um, you know, and so they're the sort of two extremes, live and, and the, 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 the sort of hit-making model, um, you know, which is very radio-led, very co-writer-led, um, yeah. Uh, and so there's such a variance of back-end skills that are needed around that, but the core, um, other skills, uh, you know, it's, it's that business acronym that you need to, to um, look after the, the artist's business, because I think that then looks after their well-being. Um, and 
develop their sustainability in the long run. Yeah. And so that's really good. Um, it's good to like for artists to understand sort of that it is a t- there is a tailored approach, isn't there? But that the core value of putting the art- the artist's interests um, at the forefront of um, of mind and intention is is really really important. But um, artists do feel very early on like they do need a manager. Um, when would you say an artist needs one? Um, again, that, that that does vary immensely um, because. <clears throat> You know what? What some artists might need is a manager to to help them in their development. Um, and you know, I've known management work with artists when they're very young or with very you know not not that much material, for example. And perhaps that's what they've needed. Um, you know, and so they're not market ready, but they need developing to be market ready. Um, and then others, uh, I would say, you know, really uh, the, uh, the stage that an artist really needs it is when they are market ready. Mm. Like that's, that's usually what they, they need. Um, and of course, there's so much interpretation about what market ready might mean. Um, and there's so much term, uh, uh, difference in, in what might be needed to develop that. Um, and that's a negotiation, I think, that the artist would need to do with the right manager is, is work out that. Um, collaborative approach because a manager in the majority of cases a manager cannot make something happen that isn't already moving in the right direction yeah they can't create pop stars Um, and even if you look at you know pop stars or rock stars or whatever even if you look at the sort of tv show approach that's that's a developmental model Mm. um you know that that's all pop idol approach there's a developmental model of rehearsal, training, audience exposure, yeah, you know, um, uh, and marketing, and then they sort of launch. So that, 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 you know, there's not, there's not a one, a one magic fix that a a manager can do. Um, And in some cases, a manager might sort of very quickly be able to get a certain part of the industry in place, like a record deal. But the audience isn't there, you know, and the artists have still got to go out there, particularly nowadays, and do so much of off their own back to engage with an audience through the, 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 the social media platforms um, and through other artists. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you see these amazing trends, um, and, and, or not just trends, you see these amazing movements of artists come. Uh, and that comes through collaboration, through artists exchanging ideas, through through the artists and, and managers can't control that. You know, they can't control control that that connectivity of creative spirit between sort of artists collaborating or just being allies. Um, they might be able to nurture it um, and suggest that someone goes and works with someone else uh, um, and, and meets another artist or a producer, but they can't make it work. They can't make the music. Um, and I think the music's the most important thing. Yeah. And can you just quickly just explain when you said market readiness? Sorry, Sorry. just a quick one on market readiness. Um, just um, a, just a quick breakdown of what that what that means mm-hmm. um, for yeah. artists. Yeah. Well, well, market readiness, I think, is so subjective again because there's such different. There's such a number of opportunities now. Um, you know, um, is the I would say if it was a band, you know, are, are you actually any good? Um, you know, like, can you actually play and do a gig? Um, 
Uh, I mean, I was watching the Alan McGee uh, new film last night from Creation Records, and you know, good again is subjective because some of the bands that he went on to enormous success with were actually quite bad at that point. But they were they 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 were market ready for the punks that were jumping around. You know, they were culturally relevant. Um, I think then in other um, other sort of genres, it might be that is your track mixed, mastered. Um, uh, and a really, really high quality um, that you can then go to a digital platform and engage with, um, you know, engage an audience with, um, you know, through your online, through your video, through your social work, um, social media work. Um, so, you know, it's about being market ready in what you define as your market. Um, I do, I do think that there's a, sometimes a sense of urgency um, with releasing music um, now. And I think that often artists jump towards being market ready too soon mm -hmm. and haven't perhaps explored their craft enough mm -hmm. um, to make sure that they've sort of mapped out a number of real releases and material. Um, and I think that, you know, you used to sort of have to have your, your debut album, so 12 songs ready, whereas I think now, because there's opportunities to release music so quickly, sometimes people will put a track out and then they, the next one that they follow up perhaps isn't as strong. Mm. And so then they, you're sort of fighting to, to keep the momentum going uh, on as many social media posts as you can do. Whereas actually, if you've got those tracks mapped out first, that might make it much easier to be market ready. So I do think that there's, there's some, some sort of plotting that needs thinking about, um, you know, have you got your, your real artillery of, of music uh, market ready um, rather than just your brand, your, your logo uh, and a video and a single track. So I think that that's, that's something to think about quite often. Mm. Um, yes, we do. You've probably had a good insight from being a manager yourself, Paul, um, but also definitely from the variety of managers that you've worked closely with. But how would you say that the role of the manager has changed because the music industry has changed so much? And with that, I think the role of the manager is forced to, to change. Um, more and more artists choosing to be independent. But you know, in what ways um, would you say that's changed now? Well, I'd sort of argue that it hasn't changed because the, the old style of manager is there, like someone that perhaps takes on um, a client uh, with that's going to sign to a major deal and be bigger. There's now more opportunity for more different interpretations and style of management, much like there is for more um, artists to build a sustainable career. Um, so I think that there's, it's not that management's changed, it's that there's now lots and lots of different types of managers. Um, you know, um, that would be my sort of feeling because it, you used to, you know, the whole world of art history has changed, you know, you used to have to have a lot more permission, uh, to make you art. Um, you used to, you know, be at the gatekeepers at radio or at record labels. They pretty much dictated whether or not you had a career quite early in your career. Um, whereas now there's there's a real fighting chance that you can build up your own career, um, and that that's the big shift. So the role of managers has because there's a I think a great swathe of entrepreneurs and passionate mu music fans that, that want to get involved in management, um, and 
I, you know, work with our artists that they've identified. Um, so, yeah, it's it's that that's that's fundamentally changed, which has then brought with it lots and lots of different sort of shifts of um, duties and work. So managers and management across the board at all levels is involved in a lot more early stage development because the, the tools are there um, to do that development. And they know that if the business models, you know, you can, you can sort of design different um, approaches and careers um, because of that. So a lot more creative, I think it's got a lot more creative, but then it's also got a lot more um, uh, technical. Uh, I think managers now have to understand, you know, your Facebook and digital marketing platforms. And so I think they've, you know, they've become, I mean, the manager's always been the jack of all trades um, type of thing. Um, I used to say that my job as manager is to do everything until I can find someone that can do it a lot better than me, you know? Mm. Um, and that's sort of what you do when you, when you are developing your team as a manager. You know that you've got to get a PR that's really good or an agent that's really good, but you have got to be able to make that decision um, if they are the best person for your artist. And so you have to know about that area you can't just give it across it's about de delegation mm -hmm. and it's about delegating to different parties uh, different parties and that's what the role of a manager is is managing a whole team so you don't just manage the artist you manage all of the various different part um partners um that are involved in the delivery of that business mm -hmm. so you're more like a sort of ceo of the artists mm. um uh business and they're the, the major shareholder yeah, that's the other wacky analogy that I used to use is that um, I, I was going for a time of watching The West Wing, which is a, a political drama. Um, uh, and I would describe the president as the artist. So they like, everyone votes for them and gets excited. And then the president makes all these, you know, grand sweeping statements um, and runs the nation of fandom. And uh, the role of the manager is to be the chief of staff. Um, which is sort of keeping the president slightly in check, but also delivering everything that they want to achieve and their, their, their things by bringing that team of administration um, in together. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you're, you're like the chief of staff um, for the, the artist's president of fandom uh, would be my, my analogy. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Just a quick reminder that we have a growing number of resources and useful videos on our YouTube page. Just search I Am Independent and you should find us. And do follow us on social media on Instagram at We Are Independent Artists and on Facebook under the same. Also on Facebook, you can join our closed group where we're creating community for independent artists to swap ideas, collaborate and just feel extra supported and encouraged. You can find links to everything we do on our website, www.iamindependent.co.uk. Um, I want to ask that, what would you, what would you say makes for a great manager artist relationship? Um, I was thinking about um, the fact that it does feel like one way traffic from like the manager doing all these things to help the artist um, to grow and to be the best they can be. But um, what makes for a great relationship and what would what some of the things that like you would say an artist, sh it would be good for an artist to understand about 
what, what are the role of a manager and the plight of the manager and the challenges that managers um, um, face in doing their job. The, the first thing I'd say about the sort of artist-manager relationship is that it has to be totally honest and trusting. Mm. Like it, it, you've got to trust and be honest. You've got to be entirely honest um, about everything, pretty much. Your, your personal life, your, your your habits in your spending, um, and your, 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 you know, just who you are, um, I think. Uh, because otherwise, I don't think it particularly works. Um, and then the second part, which was, uh, I think, in your question, was what what would artists need to know for managers to be able to do their jobs. A manager can't do anything um, with, without the artist's raw material, um, and that uh, comes down to the music and their vision about how they communicate their music, um, and it also comes down to really, really practical things. Like they can't look after your finances if you don't give them uh, the receipts that you, 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 you know, you look after. So if you bought a piece of equipment um, or, uh, and your manager doesn't have uh, that receipt, uh, for example, they can't help you with the insurance claim that you're, you know, because you've lost your, lamp, your laptop and you're like, oh, no, manager, help me, help me. I need a new uh, laptop because I've left it on the train. Um, can you do the insurance claim? It's like, well, you never gave me the receipts to do the reinsurance claims. We don't have insurance on that piece of item, you know. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's practical and um, creative. You, a manager can't run the business if they haven't got the raw materials. Um, and I think that um, artists sometimes don't understand that, you know, and that's at all levels, um, you know, uh, it, it does come back, Every, everything does kind of come back to what the artists have given out. Mm. Um, uh, and of course, the manager's role is to bring opportunity and um, it, um, emphasis to all of those elements. So the, the manager is bringing things in, bringing things in on that, but the, the, the raw matter, has to be there you know and I think that a lot of artists sometimes expect that the manager can make a career um uh and perhaps isn't comfortable at reflecting on what they're what they're offering um and that can be really hard for artists so I'm not you know it, that can be a really hard thing I'm not saying and that's where it goes back to the honesty and trust relationship yeah you know um and so that's about the managing the, the realistic expectations comes through honesty and trust Mm, that's so good. I wanted to ask you as well about um, the MMF's uh, ethic code that they've got for for managers, which has you know recently been simplified. And I think it's so good as a guide of the basic things to to know. I mean, there's there's many artists out there with horror stories of managers, and it, it as a manager it pains me when I hear them because it you know there is that old stereotype of the manager that's trying to take advantage of the artist, but of course. I know many managers who are so passionate about their artists. That's why they work so hard and for free for so long. But sometimes it's more because, um, I mean, at a very basic level, they've just not looked at the person that they are, let alone how they, they do business. And all of those elements for me are so important in terms of the connection you have with your artists. But I feel like the MMF's code is is really you know lots of people ask us well what makes a good manager and they can think it's creating opportunity but I think it's so much more than that in choosing the manager that's right for you um I don't know if you know them off by heart but if you could just mention some of those those principles that would help an artist to to choose a good manager yeah um you're jumping on me with a code of 
code of con code of practice is what we would like to call it. Um, I mean, I know the first one. It, it, yeah, the first one I've referred to. You know, when we started this um, interview, is about putting the interests of the artist first. You know, um, and being being looking at the business, but also that kind of well-being. Mm -hmm. So we we recently updated our code, so it's ten sort of bullet points really. It's it's the agreed standard. Um, you know, there there is things around the mental health and um, sexual harassment and all of that well-being that I referred to earlier. Um, and we encourage them, all our members, to have a written agreement um, in some form, whether that's a contract or a, a, you know a, 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 an agreement on email. You know, it might it, just some form of communicating the expectations and the business model with the artists. I think is really important. Um, so that links into the transparency and accountability um, that I've mentioned. Um, I think uh, the, the other um, point that is really important in our code of practice is around the sort of mixed model. Um, and the mixed model of responsibilities that managers are often doing, and particularly in, in early stages, is it, you know if they're the record label or the publisher or the manager, is about having very clear boundaries around those um, those roles and not double dipping. So not earning income from one income uh, from one income stream twice yeah so if you're the record label you only take the record label share you wouldn't then get the artist's royalties and commission on that as well yeah so it's about being really clear about the different income streams so that's a big part of um what we see as a code of practice um uh, having boundaries and, and accountability, um, and I think I, I think fundamentally every artist should have a business agreement with their manager, whether or not that's a contract that you've all gone through lawyers or, or a conversation that's recorded, um, or um, something that has a sort of trial period approach. So it's you know for six months, um, it's just about how we're going to work for you know, the, the, the next few weeks or months. You know, I think it needs ongoing dialogue, your business relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I do have this, this, I have a question just because we know, I know we've got so many independent artists out there and um, obviously we're geared towards independent artists and um, they, most of them don't have management and they would love management um but in the absence of it how how can they effectively manage their own careers like what are the what are the, some of the things they can do to um help themselves to move forward to ready themselves for a manager um to be more professional in what they do just like what 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 can they do you know um, I've, I've actually got a number of friends that are independent artists and they are great at self-management mm -hmm. to a degree. Um, and I think my advice to anyone that is self-managed or wants to be self-managed, um, and they're, they're two different things, is to work out some of your weaknesses and be honest about them. Mm -hmm. Um, and sort of... I think there's often a little bit of reluctance, like, oh, I need a manager and they must be like this. It's actually look around the people that are there um, because there's loads of people that love music and there's loads of people that like helping artists. Um, and there's, you might need, you know, it might be that you, you pay some of them um, to, do, to do some of the roles. 
Um, like my sister, she, 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 she's a, 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 what I would call a, a sort of grassroots community manager. She, she loves local bands and she helps them do their PPL and their POS. Mm. Um, and that's how she spends her sort of Saturday evening um, because it's, she's got a little bit of time and likes to support bands. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, and and there's people out there that that do those sorts of um, roles, and I think a lot of artists aren't very um, comfortable with the ask, and that goes back to that earlier point earlier that they need to be offered, and it's kind of like get over your ego, mm. um, because it's an ego, and, and not a negative ego, but it yeah. is an ego that um, and a confidence um, uh, thing to ask for some help, um, but I think that. That being independent can be an amazing thing for artists. Mm. Um, uh, but recognizing your weakness and being honest um, and trusting with other people to help you out. Um, and that, that fundamentally comes down to what I, I believe good management relationships are being honest and trusting. So um, look at, you know, for independent artists listening, I'd say look at yourself and where you are um, weaker um, or and try and look you know for people that might be able to help you it might be that there's a really um a, a fan that isn't you know weird because i do know some fans relationships might be weird but someone that's really good at web technology and that they're happy to be your web um uh master and you know or, or, or man your social media um or mm. help you on your merchandise or um you know, all of those tasks don't have to sit with you. Mm. Um, and if you're independent, try and build that independent culture in some mm. of your community. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of people get into management um, by, you know, by being sort of strong-armed a bit by, by, by artists. Um, I, you know, I ended up managing the, the, the client um, that I signed for major rec- record labels because... I was running a record label at the time and a festival and he he asked me to help him out and I was like oh, okay I'll get you a few gigs I'll do this oh and also uh, I, I, I'll talk to this person oh yeah um yeah I'll, I'll get you on radio and then I was like oh, oh yeah this and it, this is what managers do isn't it oh yeah okay yeah I'm managing you now because managers often are going through the same thing that uh, artists are um they're, they're, they have some sort of low self-esteem sometimes or lack of confidence in their abilities when they're at their early, very early stages. They have sort of an imposter syndrome. Um, I hear that word a lot um, in emerging managers. Um, and they, they love being asked, actually. You know, someone ask people, um, offer uh, as well. Uh, offer and ask mm. well, your strengths and weaknesses out. Uh, and build that community um, because I think that's what makes for a much stronger um, grassroots music industry, which does feed through. You know, going back to that early stage of my career, um, I had to ring my mate the other day um, who does uh, the British Music Embassy now for South by Southwest, and he's been doing it a number of years. And I was just like, PC, bro, I can't believe this. It's just hit me. Uh, we've been working in music for 23 years, man. Uh, and it was there was this article in PRS Foundation, and it had um, it had three accelerator managers talking about the difficulties of international showcasing. Um, it, and I, I hadn't set this piece of you know article up. The, the managers were out there doing their thing, um, and I was just like, "Hey, we're still showcasing and helping artists just like we were doing 23 years ago." 
uh, when you know we were a little community and we still felt like that. It was like a pinch yourself moment. Mm. Like, oh wow, we're still doing this. We're doing we're professional now. Yeah, you know, we're professionals <laughs> now. And and Keith Harris, who manages Stevie Wonder and is one of the MMF custodians, whenever he does a panel, he said, after this panel, don't you all be queuing to meet me. He's like, turn around and make friends with the people next to you because they're the future of the music industry, mm. not me. So good. And I, I love hearing Keith say that. And I've heard Keith say that for 20 odd years. <laughs> you know. It's so good. I think the final thing I just wanted to touch on, Paul, um, is obviously there's been a lot of talk in the last year about um, diversity, particularly around race. Um, with music and the responsibility of the the music industry and the music industry has been slow with with a lot of things you know mental health this was a talking point you know the year before that and, and luckily is continuing to be so and the race conversation which we all kind of feared wasn't just a a, a move but there have been organizations who seem to really this time want to do some things things like the, the power up initiative that's come and I know for the MMF, they have Unite, which is really wanting to push into that space as well. I guess I just wanted to ask you about what role do you think the music industry should and can play in these changes that are um, in society? I mean, often, you know, there's always the question, isn't there, about whether art reflects society or the other way around, but music's such a powerful thing. But as an industry, as managers, as artists, well, how can we play our part in making a change in this? Um. I mean, music, music has always been a fu fundamental part of the, the, the culture shift about um, anti-racism. Uh, and I think that that's uh, an enormous thing for us to recognise. And uh, first of all, is that the, that that's kind of initial battle is, uh, is kind of been done. And now it's about how we work and how we push through. Um, so, you know, I think it's great that um, there's been lots of actions and it does feel that there's been lots of actions that are long, long overdue. Um, now, I think it comes down to not um, trying to make sort of, to, to continue in to have inclusion um, within that space um, and not sort of allowing, which I think happens sometimes um, with, with movements to, to sort of silo um, the racism discussion into, oh, well, it, that's their responsibility and they do it really well. Um, you know, so we've got some black artists that talk about that subject and they're, 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 they're oh yeah, we have a political slot. And I think there's an article that um, I saw this morning that was about award shows and how it's almost become practice to have an emotive you know, who's the, who's the emotive black person that we can have to show that we're doing it? Whereas, are, have we got just black talent involved in the whole organisation, not talking about black things and not talking the, the anti-racism thing? And I think it's about normalising the um, behaviours and adjusting behaviours so they're normalised, um, so that um, it's not about making people normal, it's about changing the structures so that everyone feels that they can be included. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I love um, what PRS is doing with Power Up. Um, uh, that's an incredible programme. Um, and I think that they're, they're very aware of making it multi-genre and multi-disciplinary sort of approach. Um, so it's not one narrative of what being, um, you know, blackness is and black music. Um, I think, you know, what 
I've noticed in the way in which we work at Accelerator um, is um, really intersectional. Um, so, you know, we've got white managers managing black artists, black managers managing white artists, all different types of genres. And I think that's an amazing inclusive space. But then that doesn't separate from the need for the work that we're doing with Unite, which is black led, black focused. And you need those affirmative actions continuously. Um, and I think it's allowing that duality of um, inclusion and practice going forward rather than excluding and saying, oh, well, yeah, we, 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 our black stuff over there. It's about ingraining it into um, sort of uh, ingraining it, but also allowing that, 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 that space. Um, yeah, um, because it, it, it's got, a, a, in, in my view, it's sort of got um, an, a, a risk that it might become just a bit of a, a fad because the music industry loves a bit of fads. And in the nineties, there was a black power movement. You know, uh, there was a, uh, I was part of it, I was a fan of it. There was a, a black power movement in the music industry. Um, there was a little blip in the UK music industry with love music, hate racism in the sort of late 2000s when we did Victoria Park. Um, it, it was there, the Libertines were involved. It was, you know, gr Grindy became a thing. So the grime and indie movement, you know, merged. Um, and we kept that going for a year or two and then it disappeared. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and became quite a se segregated again, actually. Mm. Um, you know, black music didn't interact with some of the white music sort of genres. Audiences did, artists did, but you know, in general, there became a sort of, um, and I remember seeing it at festivals, like, um, you know, it's like, oh, that, yeah. And uh, um, I think that it's just recognizing that duality of spaces will be needed. Um, uh, and um, inclusion needs to be run throughout the, all of those spaces. Um, um, inclusion and diversity needs to continue. Hmm. Um, I've ranted quite a lot there. That was really, yeah. that was really good. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. It's been so great to talk about this area because artists literally want to know about management all of the time. And mm -hmm. um, it's really great to hear sort of the inside track on it. And I think um, this conversation is, is given quite a lot of clarity to like the role and um, and we, just the, this, the whole area in general. Cool. We do have an artist seeking managers um, section on our oh. website, I think. Awesome. Yeah, um, and I've heard it works. Like someone found someone found something amazing, and they got a deal out of it, and they were all really excited. They were like, "Oh my god, that's such a good resource!" So I'm quite keen that we make more of that. Actually, okay. Um, so there's a place where yeah. where people can um, artists can go and so, and sort of search for yeah. a manager and just kind of start some conversations. Basically, I think it, it works more that um, it, it basically you put on your information as an artist and then it goes out into our members. Oh, great. Um, sort of back end. Um, yeah, but I've heard it's quite good, actually. I think it's sort of getting its own momentum. Paul, thank you so much for all your wisdom. It's been absolutely great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. And don't forget to sign up to our mailing list where you'll receive a free 10-day guide especially designed to inspire and equip independent music artists with some really useful, practical and inspirational resources. 
sign up at www.iamindependent.co.uk. For more great content from I Am Independent, find us on social media at We Are Independent Artists. Check out our Spotify playlist for new music from independent artists. Search We Love Independent Music. Woo!